0: Welcome to another episode of Cultural of Value. I'm Troy Shear, your host with Binary Marketing Solutions and Binary Automotive Solutions. And today our guest is Alana Shabtai. Alana is the director of marketing for Auto Leadstar, and she also hosts the podcast for Auto Leadstar called Inside Audio. And she is, I guess, has been using a lot of her time lately to uh, lead a number of clubhouse discussions. So, that's, you know, and we all know a lot of that. That takes up plenty of our time, right?
1: It takes way too much of our time. And I'm embarrassed to say how much time I spend on Clubhouse. But uh, if we have time at the end of this podcast, maybe we will talk a bit about it.
0: That sounds great. Well, what I wanted to start off talking about a little bit, since we're both, you know, into the digital marketing and, and things like that, I, I wanted to help maybe clarify a little bit what the difference is between digital marketing and digital retailing. Because I think sometimes people get a little bit confused dealers not just dealerships, but just general businesses as to what that really is.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'll I'll use it in the context of automotive. Um, I'll speak about it in the context of automotive. Digital marketing is all of the marketing efforts that you put in order to drive um, business through digital outlets, like your website or like uh, SEM or SEO, anything that you're doing to drive that business from digital, um, you know, lead forms on your website, the whole strategy around that is what we, what we call and what we refer to as digital marketing, right? So you have your traditional marketing, which is off digital, um, maybe radio billboards, things like that. Um, I would hope, and we could talk about this, but I would hope that a lot of the, um, marketing budget for dealers today in 2021 would go toward digital, while there's still some in traditional, which I think is absolutely fine, um, digital marketing is really where everyone is is looking now, Um, whether you're searching on social or Google or um, third-party sites, most people are are on the web um, and looking for their car that way, so that's how we refer to as digital, uh, that's what we refer to digital marketing as. When we talk about digital retail, we're talking about an e-commerce uh, approach to selling online um, and really having that end-to-end transaction be digital, which is why the word "digital" is in there. So, um, being able to uh, buy your car 100% online is what I would think, and what the industry often refers to as digital retailing versus digital marketing, which will still drive that interest and still, um, you know, drive traffic and drive leads to your website to your store, um, it's just not talking about that end-to-end transaction.
0: So with all of that now too, I, I think one of the important things is, and, and I, with a lot of the dealerships that we work with, I don't see yet is having someone in-house that really has a, a solid understanding of digital marketing, digital retailing, or just the digital space in general, not, not only from an IT perspective, but from a marketing perspective, I think a lot of times it just gets, fall, you know, it falls onto somebody to be, okay, do your best to take care of our website, you know, make sure we get our pictures up on third party sites and things of that nature. Do you feel like at some point that there's going to need to be a, a, a more, at least where, where budgets are concerned, more focus on that digital side of marketing internally where it's not just an afterthought that somebody gets stuck doing? but that they really start hiring people that are more focused on, you know, the digital inbound process.
1: I think that's a great question. Um, Absolutely. I think one of the biggest uh, challenges right now when it comes to digital marketing in automotive is that it's very siloed because you have that person who's an internet manager or general manager, or, you know, someone who gets pulled in, uh, to digital because they, they're, it's a small dealership or because leadership decided that you know, they perform well. So why not put them on digital? Um, but what ends up happening is they often outsource a lot of, a lot of their digital and then um, it's not connected. So uh, what that means for, for dealers is that um, they might be using a vendor to drive traffic to their site. And then they might be using someone else to um, you know, optimize their site for conversions. And then those leads come in and a BDC manager is looking at all those leads, but they have no idea about the campaigns running, right? Like how how did those leads come come to the site? So I think having someone in-house that really can take charge of the strategy and the data uh, is, is where the industry needs to go. Um, that's not to say that they can't outsource, of course they can outsource, but it's about really having a handle on that strategy and then being able to optimize based on that. So if the dealership has a month where they want to go you know, gung-ho on, on used car um, or get some age inventory out, that has to be a strategy that's also reflected in their digital marketing. What are their campaigns going to look like? What kind of ads are they putting up? Um, do the ads go directly to VDPs that link to those cars that are trying to get off their lot? Uh, and having someone oversee that and then make sure that that's translated to everyone who's working in the industry, in the, in the dealership that has direct contact to that type of campaign and that type of strategy. Um, I think it's really important for, for dealerships to have that kind of um, communication and um, profession at the dealership. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think, like you said, it's y- y- the, the tactical elements because no one person can be proficient in every single element that's out there. I mean, you know, understanding Google analytics, understanding Facebook, understanding the, the third party sites and the various inbound opportunities that you have that, but it's it's good to have that person who understands the big picture and understands what you're trying to do strategically and at least has a little bit of understanding of each area that can be that point of contact within. I mean, it's, to me, reminds me a lot of agile um, in software development where you have that one person that owns everything and is making sure that everybody's working together. They're not that person that owns It isn't necessarily the developer that's going to be doing all the work, but he's making sure that, okay, I'm, I'm working with the general manager or the dealer principal here and making sure that they're getting what they need done, making sure service whoever we're working with within the individual departments is there and then can translate that vision over onto the, the various vendors that you may be working with.
1: Yeah, and I think data is a really big part of it, too, because, and, and when you talk about developers, that's what made me think of it. It's like if, if you're putting together a strategy or a campaign for something specific that has to do with the dealership goals, um, you also have to really be able to track that success and own that data. Um, and right now, when things aren't happening in-house, you know vendors don't have open apis like some of the mainstream software companies that we're familiar with outside of automotive and so if they're not working together with those main apis and connecting the data then the dealerships have to own that data and i think that's um a direction that is going to be really hard for the industry to take but uh within 10 years we are not even i would say within five years we got to be there uh, and everyone to operate on open apis for sure
0: And that's definitely something I've seen, especially on the non-auto side, because again, I've, you know, have been in the auto side of things for about three years now, but have, you know, 20 plus in the marketing field and knowing that services like HubSpot or things like that, that allow you to, like you said, have the different APIs that are connecting. So I've got a single point of reference for all my data and everything that's going out, whether it's, you know, just digital campaigns, Facebook, email, even PR type things that it's mm-hmm. all coming back and I can really track where I'm getting the most bang for my buck. So I think those are some things that are important too. Yeah. That, sure. And like I said, I mean, it, it takes some skill. And I, and I think that's something that maybe dealers should be looking to hire to those skills and not just be putting somebody who's, because like in my mind, if you've got a salesperson there and you go, okay, we're going to have you do this too. He's like, well, I'm I'm missing out over here on my sales. Or if you've got somebody that's strictly focused on that, and that's how they make their living, you're going to get a lot better end result too as a dealership.
1: Yeah, and, I've, and I and I know this has come up on some of your other episodes, and you've talked about this. And this is nowhere near my um, area of expertise. However, um, I've heard a lot of conversation about how automotives fall into that um, <clears throat> mistake of putting a high performer into just a random job at the dealership because. They, you know, they did well with selling on the sales floor. Why can't they just be a manager? And and that stuff happens in digital too, right? Marketing managers become marketing managers because they were internet managers and they handled inbound leads in, at a really... Um, you know, high level, but that doesn't mean that they can, you know, streamline right now, uh, a campaign from offline to online or from, um, off the site to on the site, you know, driving traffic and converting that traffic. And, um, some of those, those training and management mistakes that we see in other parts of automotive really do translate into the marketing departments as well. So, um, I know, I know that you've spoken about that in some other episodes and I've definitely, I've definitely, um, uh, gotten some value from that. And I see that in marketing as well.
0: I always look at it kind of as you know, and I'll go. I always, I always default to football because that's my thing. But it's like you know, Tom Brady is an excellent quarterback. I mean, he is the best. But you don't go, okay, well, because he's the best there. I'm going to stick him now on the offensive line and hope that he can block that you know 300 exactly. pound guy coming at him. It's not going to work. Right. So you've you've got to look at those skill sets that you have, and I think across the board that ties into you know, Like you said, with sales and various things, that as you get into the digital retailing side, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is you also have to have people who know how to communicate well and, and do some of those things on that side too, where you can't just get some IT person to go, okay, well, watch, watch our, our chat for us and, and make sure you're responding and, and doing some of those things. It really re- requires the same sales mentality that you would have as somebody on the floor.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So now I know we've talked about kind of with with the one article that you had written about being a millennial and not being. You know, so this is where it's all kind of coming together. What do you see on on that digital retailing side? How 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 much should dealers do? And I shouldn't say how much should they invest in it, but should they look at it as okay? Well, we've we've seen now with COVID, everybody's wanting to get on online and do things, and everything's going to be 100% online. Is that a mistake in, in thinking that they're starting to, I guess, make assumptions that, and especially like you said, with being a millennial that, oh, well, that's all they're going to do. They're not going to ever come into the store. They're going to do everything online. Whereas myself, you know, I'm, I'm not a millennial anymore, <laughs> um, um, but at the same time for me, it's like, you know, we've talked a little bit about it and I've, I've actually done purchases both where I've gone into the dealership and gone hundred percent digital. So, is it a mistake for any, whether they be, you know, a, again a carvana or a dealership, to think, okay, we can do everything this way and not have to have some sort of hybrid mentality to reach really reach people where they are based upon their individual preferences, not group preferences, just because of a demographic.
1: So, um, I'm glad you brought this up. I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> the article that I wrote in Words Auto that you're referring to was, I think. I can't remember, it was in September. Okay, so it got published in September. So I wrote it closer to the when it felt like when the pandemic was really hitting us hard. I'm Not, not to say that it's still not, but um, I think we were still in our shock phase then. And I was getting a little fed up with the uh, digital retailing, digital, digital retailing is the only way that people are going to buy. Not because I have anything against digital retailing. I actually think dealers should invest and implement a digital retailing process because... There are people that are going to want that, right? Like millennial or not, they're going to want to buy their car fully online. Um, and this is where the distinction between digital marketing and digital retailing really comes in, because where I think the mistake in in the where I think the mistake was um, is that the emphasis was too much on an end to end process and not on um, refining a real digital marketing strategy that identifies all the different types of buyers, especially in a time of crisis, right? The ones that are willing to come in, the ones that are gonna do all their research online and then come in, versus the ones that are going to buy 100% online. And with you, with the right digital marketing strategy and with the you know, connected data and with the um, really tech-driven marketing that will get you to the level of being able to identify different buyers and send them messages based on the type of buyer that they are, um, that's where the focus should be because COVID-19 is is one terrible crisis that we've been dealing with, but there are other crises that are going to come, and it might not be about coming into the store or not coming into the store. It might be about something else entirely, and that dealership needs to have the means to be able to turn on and off that messaging and target all the different types of buyers that are looking for their car and and bring them in however they want to be brought in. So I think that was... I I typed away writing this article because I was was just so... um, frustrated with the response because I didn't think it was it was um, complete enough, meaning, again, I think digital retailing was part of it, but I think there was a much bigger picture that was missed by the industry. And then, of course, these there's all the assumptions about millennials that never want to talk to anyone on the phone and never want to come into the dealership. And maybe I'm really just the one millennial out there, but I doubt it. I love talking on the phone, <laughs> And I love going into the dealership. So uh, I, I got to say the assumptions aren't the best way to get to the right type of buyers. It's about, again, looking at their buying behaviors online and trying to mimic that with technology that, they, that can then bring those, bring those buyers in.
0: And I think that's the key. And like you said, talking about data, making sure you have data on, on individual um, actions for a particular buyer. So, you know, obviously, you, you, you can't know it down to the the nth degree what they want, but it, it's like understanding that you, you can't lump people into a, a little ball and go, okay, everybody's going to fit in that perfectly in that little ball. And nobody's going to go outside of that. And we can do with this group of people in this demographic, this is what we do. Right. Where to, to me, it's like, you have to look at the customer journey and understand a car buyer's customer journey. There may be five or six or seven different ways that people want to shop. And being able to understand that, and again, goes back to having the data is now how do we create that process for each one of those potential customer journeys so that we're doing the right thing for each individual?
1: Right. And there, there's also um, another piece to it that I've heard a lot of digital retailing companies actually talk about, which I think is an important thing to bring up here. Um, again, I'm not the expertise in digital retailing, but um it's, it's more about just having, you know, it's more about just checking the box and saying, oh, we offer digital retailing. It's really about the process. So once you actually do implement and invest, what do you do with leads that fall off in the middle of the process? What do you do with leads that submit, but then never actually buy the car? There's so much training there and there's so much opportunity. And if the BDC... Uh, and sales teams know how to handle that type of volume of leads and the different types of leads that are coming in, they will see a better response. So it's not, again, you implement digital retailing, it's not just about whoever comes in and buys their car online. You know, that's, that's the ROI on a, on a product like that. It's about being able to implement a process for all the different types of buyers that come in, uh, the different types of leads that come from uh, a platform like a digital, a digital retailing platform, and being able to train your staff to handle that.
0: So what you're saying there, really, I mean, what I'm hearing is, is digital retailing or or the, it's really a mindset that the that the dealership has to have because digital retailing, to me, sounds like it's not only all of the, the steps and processes that are happening potentially out in the digital world, right. but at what point does Alana or Troy decide, okay, I've had enough on digital, now I'm going to the... Dealership. Exactly. And at that point, when I get into the dealership, do they know me well enough to not to take me back to the very beginning again? And now where I've got to spend spend more time going, oh no, I did this already. I did to the point where now I just get frustrated and go, enough. <laughs> I'm going to go do something somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, it almost seems to me as as I think about digital retailing and what I've what I'm seeing just in the big picture. And I was talking about this was somebody the other day is, you know, we can always make more money and, you know, pricing and things like that are, are important, obviously, everybody, but the real thing that we're starved for is time. And I think if if dealerships look at each individual that's, that's purchasing a car or a vehicle, what is their time value worth? And how can I make sure that we are doing everything to condense our process, excuse me, condense our process into the, you know, the best way possible, whether it be digital or in person, so that when I come into the dealership, I'm not spending six hours of my life trying to get a car. And tell me what your, what your thoughts are on that.
1: I, I completely agree. And I think, um, oh, I hope that the pandemic was a catalyst for dealerships to figure out how to uh, keep time to a minimum when people are in person, Um, And that's also why I think digital retailing is, is, if you go back to the distinction between digital marketing and digital retailing, it's only part of the process because that type of uh, mentality of I just want to be fast and I want to get to things quickly is also reflected in digital marketing. So if I'm searching for something um, and I get your ad and that ad takes me to the right page, for example, versus taking me to a wrong page that's gonna save me time, that's gonna make me less frustrated, I'm a happy customer. If I've already filled out a form on your site doing a you know trade-in evaluation and then I come back to your site and I'm looking at uh, a specific vehicle, um, if there's a form that I need to fill in, your site should remember that and pre-fill it for me. Um, there's all these little things that happen along the way in the digital journey that can cut down time for customers and that make customers feel really good about your, digital, about your dealership brand. So I totally agree. I think that we overlook a lot of the time that's spent in the research process that digital marketing could actually help with if dealers had a really good tech savvy um, strategy that helps them uh, make that easier for for today's shoppers.
0: So that's a perfect segue, kind of into the next question that I have. Is as you were talking about, what are some of the things like that 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 frustrates you, or are things that are, you know, digital done poorly?
1: So I, it's good that I just help, was helping my brother-in-law. He's in the market for a Nissan Rogue, okay, and he's here in Miami, and he's like. I don't understand how you work in this industry. Like I, it's horrible. And so I'm like, let me help you. Let me help you. (laughs) Of course, I don't know anything really what I'm doing. I'm just trying to help him from the clients that I have here. But so I'm going on websites with him and I'm getting so frustrated and I can't believe that our industry is still in a place where it's so hard to shop for a car or even just do research. He was planning on going to the dealership online. So we're sitting, I'm sitting in, in his, you know, I was at my sister's sitting with my sister and my brother-in-law. We were on my, our phones. Okay. We were on our phones looking at, I'm not going to call out. although I really want to. I'm not going to call out the Nissan dealer. And it literally the search bar, the search button just doesn't work on mobile. Like we literally cannot search for the car. And so we're, you know, we're drinking wine. We're having fun. Our kids are sleeping. We're just trying to look for cars and we have to like stop what we're doing and pull out our desktops and actually get the the website open. Now, if he, if my brother-in-law didn't have like a, literally a two week deadline until his lease was up, we would have just forgotten about it and looked at a different time. And that's just lost business. Um, So that's definitely one thing that I cannot believe I'm saying in 2021, but mobile-friendly? How? How are you not mobile-friendly? It's just, it's crazy. And Then the second thing, once we got on the desktop and we were on the Nissan again, I'm not going to disclose the dealership name, although I really do want to, so that I can you're, just
0: you're being sweet like I did. I I've had some really bad dealings with a couple of dealerships, and I'm like, nope, not going to say it.
1: <laughs> I know, if it were my podcast, maybe, but I don't want to burn a dealership on your podcast. But anyway, so we, we open up the the, the um we we have it open on desktop, and he's trying to chat with the dealership. It's 8:30 p.m. Let's. And this guy is just not answering him and forget about, I, you know, if someone needs to go and look for certain deals and pull it up, it's okay if it takes time, but even communicating saying, you know, you know, so, please hold, it's going to take another minute or two. It's just pulling up a little slowly tonight. Like any kind of communication that helps the person on the other end, feel like there's someone there helping them is helpful. Meaning lightning speed help is always number one, right? So if you can do it faster, sure. do it faster. But if there's no communication, this guy just literally left. Finally, my brother-in-law was like, I'm hopping off. Like, I'm going to another Nissan website. I can't, like, you are you here? Hello? <laughs> so that's obviously something that's expected. Um, obviously, in the showroom, you want the world-class customer experience. But right now, you need a digital too. Because
0: it's the same thing. And, again, people now, I feel like, like for myself, again, I, I kind of look at this and I talk to people and kind of, you know, get – ideas, how people do things, but it's like, most of us are so busy, especially, and I know you've got kids when you've got kids, it's like your, your life is just, ah. <laughs> so sometimes the only time you have a chance to actually sit down and do anything that you need to car purchases or research or whatever is being done at, you know, 10, 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what do you think? And it's, it's just something that I've been you know, kind of thinking about and talking to people is, you know, would it behoove, dealerships to be able to take things or, or um, to look almost on a 24-hour clock and be able to have shifts and various things especially on the digital side where they could actually have true salespeople answering those chat questions because I think a lot of times when when I look at things like that it's they've you know farmed that off to somebody and they're trying to answer questions but it's like well I can have somebody get back with you tomorrow because I really don't know
1: so well, I haven't really thought about that too much but even saying, I'll have someone come, come back tomorrow um, is better than the service that Well, we
0: yeah, better <laughs> yeah, better than nothing. Yeah, better than nothing.
1: But I do think, I honestly think, I, I, I don't know if it's having shifts and having 24-7 live people working. I, I really think technology is going to be the answer here. Um, chat, you know, for most questions, the, if you have a technology that just knows your website and works off of real AI and machine learning, mm-hmm. it can spit out those those um, those specials faster than any person can, whether it's 3 a.m. or 7 a.m. Or, or, you know, noon. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so I think implementing, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of chatbots just because I, I really do think if you're just looking for basic information, again, they're gonna be better than any human and it also eliminates human error. So anytime you ask for a specific special um, hours, things like that, that can totally be, be moderated by, by an operator, uh, by a robot. And when things get too specific, then that leads get, gets, um, you know, jumped around to the, to the sales person and they should be really good about following up as soon as they're able to. Um, so I do think anywhere technology can be the answer or technology can help. I I believe in that. And then, and then comes like the, you know, the man, it's a good mix of man and the machine. I like to call it.
0: Right. No. And that's why I think with that hybrid approach, but, I guess, and again, from a personal standpoint, I feel like if I'm talking to somebody, and it's, it's almost with anything, you're developing a relationship with people at that dealership because that right. car is you can get that that Nissan at you know a million other you know <laughs> Nissan dealerships, or online or, or or whatever, that there might be you know a benefit there for that. And then I think about too, as you you mentioned AI, which which is also a a good idea. How does you know? I see a lot of the dealership websites that are obviously there are, you know, three or four, five, maybe big developers out there that were car dealer developers, you know, websites Mm -hmm. that the sites and all of those things become so similar. And a lot of times too, with things that we're trying to do on, on our end with some of the digital things that it's, it's even a challenge to get changes made what do you see or, or do you see anything with that? Like I said, because a lot of these dealership sites I see, it's like you could look at 10 of them and the only real change in the, the site is, okay, there's a different logo up in the top left corner where there's yeah, no real that. personalization or, or, or brand or anything that I feel like of a, a personality of a dealership or that brand promise that I can go, okay, this is somebody I might want to
1: work with. So, um, I'll answer that in two parts. The first part is that I think a lot of that has to do with the manufacturer, unfortunately, and I think they've gotta, there's gotta be, I think the emphasis of where there should be standards from the manufacturer perspective is actually an all in the wrong place. Um, I don't think every single dealership should look the same. I don't think every single button should be the same. I think they should allow brands, like you said, to differentiate themselves and, and really let their personality stand out. Um, the standards should be in places like you know, performance and APIs and allowing for different vendors to come in that have um, you know the ability to hook into other people's data versus the, the regulations right now. Um, so I think that influences it, of course. But I also think within, you know, a, a dealership has to work within those bureaucracies and work within those regulations. And I would say less is more in that situation because what ends up happening is you go to the dealership sites and they're all the same. And it's almost like, okay, go to the least disruptive one. <laughs> they all have so many pop-ups and so many chats and some of them have three chats at you. So you're just going to pick the, least, the one with the least amount of stuff on it And if there is stuff, the stuff can just as long as it's helpful, and then it doesn't matter. Um, So if it's if the you know if you're using real again technology-driven marketing on the site that can actually make the experience better for shoppers, then that's the site that we're all going to go to. So,
0: um, I guess my
1: first my first one isn't so practical. Like, let's change all the regulations of manufacturers and. Well,
0: yeah, and that's something obviously we can't do, but I, I think that discussion needs to be had from a marketing standpoint, because like I said, non-auto clients that I've had for the last, I mean, God, if we, if we went in and did that for every, you know, they'd be like, well, you're just doing the exact same thing you've done for everybody else. What are you doing to stand out and build our brand? And I think that's a big thing. It's because the dealership has a right to establish their brand as a, as a, as an individual brand and an entity, not just following. I mean, obviously, yes, there are certain requirements and regulations and I get that, but I agree with you that there needs to be something where that dealership can really develop its, its brand aura, if you will. And and so that I can know exactly what's going on there. And so, and I'm from what I'm hearing you saying, you you don't like these sites where you get on and you're like, where do I go and what do I do? (laughs) Because there's so much coming at you. And, And I've noticed that too, where it's like, okay, there's like five sliders on this page and there's so much movement and so much going on that, I can't really even make a decision as a potential customer as to what, what I
1: want to do. Yeah. I will say that um, I have seen dealerships use social um, to get their brand and get their identity out, which I, I really, I really like. So West her, which is a group uh, in New York, there. They have West Her Wednesday hashtag and Walzer, which is in Minnesota. They do uh, women of Walzer. And so I really like that, but I'm also following that because I'm in the industry. So I don't know if people who are just look, researching for their car are then going to follow the dealership and get access to that type of branding. So I, I, I totally encourage it. I would just say if you can figure out a way to reflect that in the website, I think mm-hmm. would really like to see that.
0: So then let's, let's take on to the next step online. That's something I again, again, kind of pulling these things from your article, but talking about, and this is something that's, you know, kind of important to us with what we do here too, is on the F and I side. You know, I, I think a lot of people, as you said, millennials don't understand the F and I side. I don't, I, you know, until I got in, involved in the auto side of things and had some education, I didn't either as a, as a car buyer. So And I think with some of the things that we do too, we're almost afraid that if you try to explain, there's too much to explain about all of it, that you can't really do it well digitally. But what do you think about, and and there are a couple of um, companies out there that I've seen and talked to that are doing some things really well from a digital retailing standpoint, where once you get to the F&I process, you can actually have a, a video conversation with somebody.
1: That's awesome. Um, I still am trying to figure out F and I I've been in the industry for five years, and I, I still am still trying to figure it out. But I will say from what I've understood that it is a profit center for dealers, and they should be treating it in terms of their digital marketing and their strategy just as um, heavily as they are their sales. And so again, figuring out the strategy to drive people to their site. So if you go, you know if I search for, um, any kind of car repair or maintenance, I can assure you that I'm going to get, you know, um, Oil Star and the, the Jiffy Lube and all those are going to come up before um, before dealerships. And so mm-hmm. I would say an emphasis in, in just driving awareness that their dealership has, you know, the best services is part of it. Um, and then the other part I love, I love what you said is also just um, really being an advisor to the person shopping versus the person feeling like they're just getting upselled maybe upsold, maybe. Um, and and I love that idea of having video. I would, as a, as a car shopper, I would absolutely love that because I have so many questions about it and I never know what I'm doing. So I think implementing things like that to make it easy for the customer to understand what they're signing up for and what their options are is, is absolutely key. Um, customer service. I mean, it all comes down to being a customer centric store. So I'm, I'm happy that, that people are implementing that
0: online as well. Well, and like you said, I think the big thing there is just educating people because we want, you know, that's why we do all the research up front before we ever get into even communicating with a dealership is like, I want to feel at least quasi educated as, as I move through the process so that I feel like I have at least a little control over what's going on, that I'm not being sold something or not being told something that's not true.
1: Right.
0: And like I said, I think that education across the board, especially when, when you get there too, because even in dealership, you're, it's not like they're really telling you a whole lot about the F and I process and what this is and why it's you know beneficial. They kind of, you get the little menu card and okay, you can do this, this or this and okay, sign here, check here, initial here and, and go. And I think that there's, at least that's the experiences that I've had. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, yeah, and, familiar.
0: and with that, you just kind of feel like, you know th- am i doing the right thing and then when you don't do it you're like oh shoot i should have done it and it, it kind of i think helps put the customer at ease where they if they are feeling educated and not sold
1: yeah going to have a and, far. and i just thought of this but um meaning it's it's not something that's been top of mind but as i'm just hearing your experiences uh especially about educating the customer i think it's really important also to talk about it throughout the process maybe throughout the the purchase process versus just when we get to F&I and we're transferred because it kind of feels like, oh my God, all this stuff that I didn't know that I was going to have to pay for, or all these add-ons that now I have to consider. Um, educating along the way would probably help ease that and, and keep customers a little bit more open-minded. So definitely education, not just in the research process, but actually during the purchase process as well.
0: And, and that's definitely something here at Binary, at the Binary Automotive Solutions that we're t- talking to, especially the, the sales guys, you know, the more the sales team can help set up mm-hmm. the F&I team to make sure that things, again, that there's not that complete disconnect when you get there. It's just going to benefit everybody in the long yeah. run. Yeah, I think that's really
1: important. I'm glad you guys
0: So let's go to the final area. Then we, we kind of touched on it there a little bit on the service side. What do you think, you know, I mean, there, there are some things, but like you said, we, there's really not a lot of, of, promotion on the service side digitally it's always about the sales side of things you know come come buy a new car but also from the we'll call it digital retailing experience of how what things could be done in your mind to help improve again shortening the time and making sure that every minute of my time working with that dealership in the service department that i am you know considered my time is considered they're being efficient and that I'm not showing up for an appointment, you know, being told at eight o'clock and I don't get in until nine 30 kind of thing. What, what do you see? I mean, again, just personal experiences, not naming any names, but what kinds of things do you well, think I, could be do-
1: I think um, it goes back to that, that digital marketing, uh, being able to identify and, and write the right messages to the right people um, when they're looking for service. So if someone is a service, Uh, identified as someone who's interested in service, right? It might be anonymous because it's the digital world. Make sure that you then retarget that person with the service ad. Make sure they come back to your site and they go, They go right to the service page where it should be seamless for them to also book an appointment um, and not to some VDP or SRP that's not interesting to them. And I think a lot of dealerships don't have that set up correctly or they think that they do and they don't mystery shop enough to realize that they don't because um, they just assume that it's something that's being set up when it, it might not really be set up. So being able to identify that if someone comes back to your site and they're identified as a service customer, make sure that you show them a message about service, give them an offer about service, um, and and bring them back um, to your store. I think, so I think that's part of it. And then I think the other part, which we we talked briefly about in the beginning is is data. So if you have in your data, all of these new customers that came in, you know, being able to fire off specific uh, specials and email campaigns and and ads and retargeting. And if they come to your site, be able to identify them because they're in your CRM as someone who's a current customer, try and show them language about service offers because that's, you're going to get them to be a customer for life. Um, And- when when dealerships don't have that in-house ownership, this is a great question to end with because we're, we're going here full circle, but if your dealerships don't have that in-house person that's being, um, you know, making sure that all of it is connected, that the data isn't siloed. And if you don't have someone that's um, taking care of the strategy, and if you don't have someone who's managing the CRM data, you're not gonna be able to capitalize on that. Um, so that's a very important part of it.
0: I see it as, you know, in, in some of the things that you buy, even in, on the F&I side, If if I know that, this customer has purchased tire and wheel or paint, you know, paint, whatever it is, is just to, as you said, if you've got that data, do some things from a, from an email standpoint that you're, you know, text, however, that the, and again, there's where you look at data and go, okay, well, how does this customer prefer to be communicated with? Is it email? Is it text message? Is it pick up the phone and talk to me? But when somebody does do that, that it's really a a value, you know, that there is a value proposition behind it that you were saying, Hey, just, you know, just reminding you, Hey, you've got this tire and wheel. We know because here in Dallas, Fort Worth, they're constantly doing um, road work and you have, you know, blown tires. You could have, I mean, like our daughter, we bought a car for her. She had the car two months and already had two flat tires because, you know, of all the construction. Right. So it's, some of those little things that you can do just as a reminder to help let, let them, let a customer know that you're thinking about them, that, Hey, that we're always here for you. If you need something, it's just kind of keeping that message in it. It doesn't have to be, you know, where it becomes annoying, right? but, but again, and not always selling, but educating and Hey, did you know about this with your car? Did you know about these things, you know, having trouble with, but the more kinds of things that you can do to help me feel like you actually care that it wasn't okay. I just, you sold me something and now I'm going to go on my merry way Right. that, and I think, but like you said, it, it it requires that person that we talked about in the beginning to be able to really develop that strategy for a dealership and then making sure that you've got the right partners from a vendor perspective to execute on all of that.
1: Right. I totally agree. I agree.
0: Well, is there anything else? I, I think we've solved, you know, We've solved all
1: of the challenges in automotive <laughs> together right now.
0: <laughs> now, yeah. now all we got to do is hit the easy button and poof. Yeah, I know. We just changed <laughs> the whole way that manufacturers
1: operate. High five. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's nothing else. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited about this podcast. I've listened to some of your other episodes, so it's an honor to be here. I, I appreciate the invite.
0: Well, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, this has been something great for me that I'm meeting some awesome people. Same. And uh, if, if I got nothing else out of this it, it is for per, personally, it's just the relationships that I've developed now over the last two months. It's like, I'm um, uh, it's, it's a win for me, yeah. but I, I do think, and as you said, I've, I've heard people saying that, that there is really good value that comes out of these conversations.
1: Totally. I, yeah.
0: I, you know, we just keep, keep providing value as, you know, they call us vendors, but I like to say as partners or, or somebody that really actually cares that, that we do, we're not just trying to sell something the same way we tell the dealer not to, that I think we'll all, uh, you know, we work together and help each other out and we make it a, a better business world and a better personal world.
1: I agree. Amen to that.
0: Well, thank you very much again for your time. Have a wonderful week. We're have a, a beautiful Monday. I don't know what it's like down there, but
1: nice. Yeah.
0: It's a uh, nice and nasty here today so we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll enjoy staying inside here today. Yeah. Thank you very much Alana. Take care. We will talk soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much.
0: Bye.